Good morning. So my wife Tori and I are doing this eating plan thing called Whole30. And so today I've been in three services and I've had two chocolate crackers and a little piece of bread. And that's the only bread I've had in a week. Today's day seven of 30. And so uh, I think communion's an okay reason to cheat a little bit maybe. Um, anyway, so last week we finished our, our sermon series called Breakthrough. We were talking about the character traits of Jesus and how we can have those. And as we, as we move forward into the summer, uh, we want to do something a little different. So we're going we're gonna to pause the series for a little while. Uh, and instead what we want to do is sort of walk through sections of Scripture together and just let the text speak for itself. I mean, we, we always let the text speak, but this will be away from themes and away from fancy titles and all that kind of stuff. And so with that in mind, next Sunday is Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that we celebrate and remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. That story can be found in Acts 2. And so this week we're going to be spending some time uh, in Acts 1 as we prepare uh, for Pentecost next week. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. This is Acts 1, verses 6 through 11. And so when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Now it's, it's interesting to note it says kingdom to Israel. We're used to seeing kingdom of Israel, right? But here what they're asking is, is this when you're going to take power from Rome, who controlled everything, and give it back to Israel. So are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by God's own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus had said this, as the disciples were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so in our story, the disciples are outside with Jesus. Uh, remember, Jesus has already died and risen and has been making these appearances to the disciples for a little while. We don't really know how long, a couple weeks maybe or whatever. Um, and so they're outside and they're talking to Jesus. And one of the disciples asks kind of their standard, we don't quite get it yet type of questions. Right? And so they come forward and they say, hey, you know, hey Jesus, is this the time when you're going to restore power to Israel? Uh, after all that Jesus had said and done to establish himself as a different kind of Messiah, you still have the disciples asking the military question, right? Is this when we fight to reclaim our territory? And so Jesus says, you know, that's not for you to know. But speaking of power, you will receive power from this source called the Holy Spirit. And it will call you to love your neighbor in your city, in your state, in your country, and across the world. And so if you, if, you, uh, if you maybe read between the lines a little bit here, you can sort of picture one of the disciples who's braver than the other stepping forward and saying, 
you know, Jesus, I mean, that's, that's a solid memory verse, right? I'm, I'm sure 2,000 years from now, people will be trying to memorize that one. Uh, but what is this power? What is the Holy Spirit? Right? In a, in a typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't hang around and kind of break down the doctrine of the Trinity for them. Instead, uh, he leaves, he just saddles up his cloud and rides on up into the sky. And so I'm going I'm to pause in the, in the retelling of the story here because I have to say something. Sometimes you just have to give the biblical authors some credit, right? I mean, they take these words and they paint some really interesting pictures. And so when I read verse 9 and it says Jesus was lifted up on a cloud and it took him out of their sight, there's a very specific picture that comes to my mind. Uh, now, it's, it's a little nerdy, so bear with me, uh, but I actually have a picture to show you. Um, this is, this is Lakitu, okay, Lakitu is a character in the Super Mario games for Nintendo, and uh, he flies around his little smiley face cloud, which seems nice, until you realize that he's throwing these spiky turtle shells at you, which is not nice, um, but if you can knock Lakitu out of his cloud, then you, as Mario, can jump inside it and fly around all over the place. It gives you a little bit of time before the cloud dissolves and you like crash back to earth or whatever. But usually if Lakitu's around, that means there's something secret for you up off the screen towards the sky, right? You see where I'm going with this, right? When I read this verse, I can't help but picture a little digital Jesus jumping into the smiley face cloud and zipping on up towards heaven, right? It might be heretical, but that's what, that's what pops into my head. I can't, can't help it. And so Jesus has just made this promise to the disciples that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And then he leaves while they're trying to figure out what that means. What's the Holy Spirit? Where does it come from? How is this a source of power? Right? These are all legitimate questions the disciples would have been asking themselves. And so they watch Jesus ascend on his Mario cloud, and then they're all just standing there like staring at the sky. If you, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a second, maybe you can feel it. You feel that little bit of fear, that anxiety, the uncertainty, the confusion. A couple weeks ago, the person that you loved and trusted and followed and learned from was killed. And then he was risen, he came back, and now he's gone again. And you're just left staring at the sky. Right, so two angels come up and they're like, hey, why are you just staring at the sky? You know why they're staring at the sky? Because they expect this power that they've been promised to come from up there. All the disciples have ever known is this hierarchical system of power, right? A system that values ranking and class, income, family lineage, things like that. And so power means if you want more, you have to climb the ladder, right? Power means looking up. All along... Jesus had been telling them that the greatest among you is the least of these. And yet here we still have the disciples clinging to this other system of power. And so not only are they missing 
Jesus' point, but when the disciples and people in that culture look up for power, that also means they're assessing their identity and their worth based on what that power has to say about them. Right? No one cares about the input of a fisherman or a shepherd. And so fishermen and shepherds were looked down upon. And so if you're a fisherman or a shepherd, you just feel less valuable. Anyone else picking up on how perfectly this parallels our culture in 2017? In general, where do we look for our power? Right, Our systems of power in our country and around the world, most of them are set up very much like the power structures during Jesus' day. You think about the hierarchies present in our government, in our military, in our corporations. Right? Even most of our schools and churches are set up this way. Somebody's at the top of the food chain. They have all the power, all the say-so. Right? If you want more power, you have to move up to a new position. Higher positions generally mean more money. More money also means more power. And so it just feeds itself. Right? I'm not saying that all of that is bad. But what I am saying is that at best, it competes for our priorities. And at worst, it completely distracts us from what's more important. So in our culture, we're taught to look up for power. And consequently, we, like the disciples, are taught that our value and our identity and our worth come from things like income level, social status, what neighborhood you live in, where you went to school, the color of your skin, your gender. Right? All these things carry power in our society. Fairly or unfairly, they all have power. Does anyone else see the flaw here? It's no wonder we're tempted to be fake and pretend like we've got it all together because if we admit that we're human and we have flaws, it'll take us down a notch or more in society. It's no wonder we constantly throw others under the bus to give ourselves a leg up because our culture rewards a me-first attitude, an America-first attitude. Right, which requires us to push others down to raise ourselves up. It's no wonder we continually seek validation through Facebook likes and Instagram followers and party invitations because we need the world's approval to feel like we have anything to offer. When our value and our worth are determined by things on the outside, when we have to look up for power, we're missing the bigger story that God is telling. The disciples are guilty of this too. Their identities came from the outside, first in society, which didn't give them a very good identity. And then later they thought Jesus was the one who gave them their new identity. 
right? And so when Jesus is gone, they feel lost. For us, if our culture's system of power fails us or oppresses us or doesn't work the way we think it should, we can feel lost too. Fortunately, God's system of power works differently. When the angels uh, show up to the disciples on the hill and they say, why are you just looking at the sky? What they're really saying is, hey, come on, let's go. you got work to do. You're ready. You're trained for this. You're prepared. And guess what? You've already got the power. In God's system, the power is present within them. And then together in community, that power grows and reaches places we could never have imagined. It's not going to make them any money. It's not going to get them a new job. It might even get them killed. But the power that's inside them is God's power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So often we read scripture and we build these disciples up to be these perfect people with levels of holiness that we could never attain. But in reality, they're folks that are no older than our graduating seniors who when they were children were passed over by the local rabbis as they went through town searching for kids to train. They have no education. They become fishermen or tradesmen or tradespeople, right? They're women with little to no status. One of them even tries to climb that power ladder by becoming a tax collector, only to realize that every person he knows now hates him. And this is the group Jesus chose. This is the group that has God's power. This group of misfits would go on to create the church. A church that's designed to help everyone realize God's power within themselves. A church that even from the very beginning had men and women and children and slaves worshiping together as equals. A church that as it grew by the end of Acts 2 was living together and holding all things in common. When the church in Corinth uh, tried to reestablish a hierarchy power structure where the rich people got more food at their banquets than the poor people did, Paul comes in and says, no, all are equal and you will wait for each other. This is a new story being told. We live under the same promise. We have this power within us, and that power is greater than anything the world has to offer. We can get a new job, we can elect leaders, we can change neighborhoods, we can do whatever we want, and none of that will ever be as good as the power that God has given us in the Holy Spirit power to love, the power to see people the way Jesus sees them, the power to bring hope, 
Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest, separates these two types of power by calling one ego power and the other soul power. And so if we spend our lives looking up, looking for ego power, we're looking in the wrong place. God has already given us this power, and in community, that power only grows. Like the disciples, it won't make us any money. It won't move us up the career ladder. And it might even get us killed. And so the big question for us this morning, the big question for me as I'm processing all of this is, so what? Like, why should I care? There's so many times when the power the world has to offer feels pretty darn good, right? What does the power of the Holy Spirit mean for us? I think it means a lot of things, but there are three things that stand out above the others. First, the power of the Holy Spirit means grace. This power is inside everyone. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you've read a single verse of Scripture. This power is inside you. This power is inside your neighbor. It's inside the person who cut you off on the way to church this morning. It's inside of the person in charge of the traffic patterns for the church down the street. Right? It's in charge of your enemy, which might be that same person. This power is inside everyone. You can't earn it. It's the gift of a God of grace. It will always feel too good to be true, and that's what makes it grace. That's what makes it good news. This is the good news of the gospel. You don't have to earn God's favor. God says, you already have my favor and my power. Trust me. Grace, of course, David mentioned this last week, makes people nervous because it blows up the boxes of who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong. Right? Grace unites us around this inner source of power. One of the main jobs of the church is to help people realize that power within themselves. Second, the power of the Holy Spirit means that our worth and our identity don't come from the outside. The world has all kinds of opinions, all kinds of things to say, and none of those matter because we are not defined by the world. God has given us our identity as beloved children of God through this source of power. And that comes from inside us. And so when the world tells you that you fall short, when those voices in your head start to beat you down, when your job becomes too tedious, when you find yourself dwelling on mistakes of the past, when you get passed over for that promotion, when you can't seem to get your kids to where they need to be on time, may you be 
free from the identities the world projects onto you. And may you remember that you are a beloved child of God with an inner power who doesn't get your identity from the world. Finally, third, the power of the Holy Spirit means that our calling and our purpose in life doesn't have to be earned by climbing the power ladder or by checking off all of the religious boxes. Our calling from God is present within us from the beginning. And it matters because now we can walk around with our head held high and it doesn't matter what the world has to say because we know that our calling and our purpose comes from God. Okay, so the power of the Holy Spirit is inside all of us. Our identity doesn't come from the outside. And our purpose and our calling doesn't have to be earned. Now what? Now we're ready to accept the challenge the angels gave us in our passage. Why are you just looking at the sky? You've got work to do. Let's go. Right? That's what they're saying. Help others discover the power and identity within themselves. See others the way Jesus sees them, as people worthy of our time and energy. Love others. Bring hope. Share resources. Don't be afraid to tell a different story than the one the world is telling. Next week, David's going to talk about Acts 2. Acts 2 is the call to action passage. Acts 1 is about our identity. Because you can't say yes in Acts 2 if you don't know who you are from Acts 1. So when the angels came to the disciples and said, why are you just staring at the sky? It took them a minute to figure out the gift that they had been given. Let's not wait. And so I say to you, you don't have to look up for power anymore. You're ready, you're trained, you're prepared, and you already have the power, and you're ready to live as someone whose identity comes from God, comes from within, and not from the world.